Well, you probably know, if you've done mathematics, that if you've been coming in the last few weeks, we're looking at big hero, small story, and if you have been coming these last few weeks, you'll know that today's the fifth session that we've looked at, so we're over halfway, because there's eight altogether. All the talks that we've had so far are on our website, and if the speakers gave some notes, they're all there as well. So if you're interested in learning more about Jeff Rowe or Joseph from Cyprus, a.k.a. Barnabas, Nathan and Lydia, then you're welcome just to have a look at that when you're at home. Now, you might know already what we're speaking on, because it's on the website and it's in our sort of magazine as well. And it's this person called Bezael. Yeah. Now, I bet if you've read the Bible all the way through and you remember lots of characters, you might sort of think, oh, yeah, I kind of remember him. Or maybe you don't. You just think, oh, who's he then? And that's the brilliant thing. That's why I picked him, because we're trying to have big heroes, small stories. And so his story is really important, but it's quite small. So it might be that you've read about him in the past. But what we're doing today is just a bit of a reminder about who he was. Now, of course, if we look at the next slide, he's going to be found in Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 to 6, and then in chapters 36, 37, 38, 39. But if I was going to ask you, who is the human who's the most represented, the most talked about in the book of Exodus? You would say Moses. Yeah. So that's why we're not speaking about him today, because he's a big hero, and he's got a large story, isn't he? He's not got a small story about him at all. But this person, Bezalel, has definitely got just a small few verses about him, a few chapters, but he's incredible. I'm going to read a little bit about uh, what's going on to give a, a background to it. And I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 24, verses 12 to 18. And you can follow it if you want to. So it's Exodus 24, 12 to 18. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, and I'll give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. Then Moses set out with Joshua his aid, and Moses went up on the mountain of God. He said to the elders, Wait here for us until we come back to you. Aaron and Hur are with you. And anyone involved in a dispute can go to them. When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and he stayed on the mountain forty days and 40 nights. Now, if you want to, you can have a little skim read through the next seven chapters while I'm talking, if you can do two things at once, because there you'll see the different things that God was saying the Israelites needed to do in order to worship him properly. So it was things like making a tent-like structure, which they called the tabernacle, and all the different things inside it, and to make the priest's garments and things like that. And so Bezalel was very much involved in all of that. So here's my question. What was Bezalel good at? Well, I'm going to tell you. Because you might know, but I'm going to remind you anyway. 
Bezazel's name means in the shadow or protection of God. And he was a master craftsman. He was right up there with being one of the most creative types you've ever met. And six months ago, when I was putting all this series together, I was thinking, right, when we look at this man, what we're going to do, we're going to go creative. We're going to sort of say how creative God is and how good it is for us to be creative with our worship of God. And after the talk, we'll have a really creative time of worship. And I was getting all excited about it, thinking, oh, yeah, I'm a creative person. I'm sure some of you might be put off about being creative. But some of you will be thinking, oh, yeah, that's well what I'm after as well. And even a month ago, I was asking some people, I know you're very creative. Can I just come and take a photo of what you've created? Can I sort of uh, take some designs of what you've made? Because what I was going to do was put them on here and let you have a look at them. So you're going to be inspired to be creative as well. And suddenly, I wasn't in a cloud on a mountain or anything. God spoke to me and says, that's true. Bezalel is really creative, but there's so much more to his character as well. And so God changed my mind. Does he do that to you? Oh, yeah. So we're going to be thinking a little bit about the creativity of God, but there's also a lot of other things that we're going to be thinking about as well. So... Bezalel was really good at being creative and he was a master craftsman, good at so many things. What did God ask him to accomplish? To be creative, to be brilliant at the things he was good at and to create wonderful things. Now, perhaps you might remember a long time ago now about what happened here. It's a bit harder to see when the lights are on, but don't need to put them off because it's going to be over. There was a big fire in a castle. Can you remember where the castle? Windsor Castle. Yeah. And so Windsor Castle, and it happened in November 1992. And it started, like most fires, as a small fire. But then it got bigger and bigger and loads of appliances had to go and loads of firemen to put things out and all these big sort of uh, pictures, works of art that had to be taken out. And so a lot of Windsor Castle, or a good section of it, was destroyed. And so I was thinking, Bazal's job was a bit like the craftsmen that had to rebuild St. George's Hall. They, they had to do everything in a beautiful way for the Queen. And you think, wow, doing something for the Queen, what an honour, I'd have to do my very best. And when you go into St. George's Hall, because we've been a few times, you can see even the screw heads are all pointing the same way. And I think, wow, that's craftsmanship, when they've just thought about, oh, that'll do. No, there was nothing like that. It was the best, and it looked beautiful, and it's just like amazing. It takes your breath away when you go in there, even for the second or the third time. You just look at it and think, wow, that is good craftsmanship. And if that was what it was like for the queen of this country, I wonder what Bezalel thought when he was asked by Moses to do things for God to do something really amazing. Perhaps you might have thought, nah, that sounds very difficult. Is it almost impossible to do an appropriate job? Can I dare to do such a thing? And Bezalel was in charge. He wasn't just doing it himself, but he had kind of a second in command, and maybe he had several hundred, I'm just guessing, but quite a few other people that were helping him. So he wasn't on his own doing it. But he was a very spiritual man. 
he wasn't just really good at doing practical things. He wasn't just good with his hands. And because he was a spiritual man, he knew something really important. He knew that even though these other craftsmen were helping him, there's someone else, someone with a capital S, if you like, that was helping him too. God was with him. He knew that even though perhaps he couldn't do the job by himself, even though he was an excellent person and an excellent sort of person at doing a job, he knew that God was with him. His talent was good, but he knew that Emmanuel, God is with us, was with him. Here's a few verses from Exodus uh, 31, verses 1 to 5. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of uh, Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. That's the important bit. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. So he was a, a craftsman, but he couldn't do God's work without being filled with the Spirit of God. With wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills, to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. So he was brilliant. He was doing all kinds of things. He had the knowledge. He had years of getting better at it. But he knew God was with him. Who could stop Bezalel from doing his work for God? Who could stop him? Apart from one person. One person could stop him. Himself. He could decide, I can't do that. If God, it's too difficult. I'll perhaps do it on the Sabbath. And that's it. Or perhaps, Lord, pick someone else. I can't do it. But probably he gave a resounding yes to God because he was good at his, what his craft but also he knew the important thing, God is with him. Now, we've all got talents, haven't we? All kinds of talents. And if we had time, I'd come round and say, what's your talent, Jonathan? Or what's your talent, Colin? Or what's your talent, Keith or Paul? You know, I'd come round and be asking people what you're good at and things. So I thought we'd discuss very briefly something I might not be so good at. Come with me. It's going to be fun. It's the Winter Olympics starting this week. It starts on Friday and it's going to carry on to the 25th of February and there's some really exciting things I want to watch. Now, I've forgotten what they call it, but there's a tea tray event, isn't there, where the person sits on a tea tray, is it called the luge or something like that, and then sort of someone sort of, uh, sort of just pushes them off at the top and they just go like this all the way down, don't they? And uh, I think that's very exciting. I wouldn't want to do it myself. But it's very exciting, isn't it? And lots of other things. Now, here's one I think is great. Speed skating. You know how they just go round and then they go round a corner really on their arm and then they go round and they're really going fast all round the place, aren't they? And I thought to myself, I'd like to watch that. But then I get a bit excited in my imagination. Jill will tell you, I do that a lot. I get excited in my imagination and I thought, wouldn't it be great if I went to South Korea with my suitcase 
and I had all this skin-tight stuff like this person's wearing and the goggles and everything and my skates and I went to South Korea and I asked very nicely, can I take part please? It looked really nice. I'm very impressed by all the people that do it. What do you think they'd say? That was a resounding no, wasn't it? In my imagination, I agree with you. Because the trouble is, I can't even stand up on ice without falling over, let alone move. I'm one of these people, if I, well, it's been many years since I went to an ice rink, but I have to hold the side. I'm one of these people that go around the side of the ice rink. So I think, in my imagination, one of the officials would have said this, in a South Korean accent. Okay, John, you look the part, but you have no experience and you have done precisely zero training. You're not in the least skillful and would be dangerous. Please leave the arena before I call security. Now, do you think that's what would happen? Can you imagine that as well? I can't even stand up on the ice, let alone, I'm not going to go round again, but you've got the idea. They go really fast and they lean into it and everything. So they are not going to say yes. Because I can't do that sort of thing. So I have every faith in God that he's never going to ask me to speed skate for Jesus. It's not going to happen, is it? Because I'm not gifted that way. I've never been trained. I've never done it. Whereas I know I can play the piano. I'm pretty all right. I don't mind speaking in front of people. I'm confident. I've done it for years. It's easy. Well, most of the time. But the thing is, I am good at a few things, and I know that if I put my trust in God and ask him to use me, so he's going to say, go for it. Here's the options, here's the ways that you can get involved, go for it. I've never heard God say, be a penalty taker in rugby. Now, yesterday I was watching the rugby Two games I watched in one day, which was the most I've ever watched in one day. And some of these rugby players are really skillful, aren't they? Metres and metres away. And I know God's call on me isn't to be a penalty taker because they've got these two posts and they've got to kick it at the right angle and everything. I'm not going to be asked to do that. You might be. I'm not going to be asked to be a speed skater. There's lots of things I can't do. But the good thing is, God might call you to do what I can't do because we're a team and we're in God's kingdom together I'd be really dismal at lots of things I'd be okay at some things I'm pretty good at a few things I know God will call me just as he'll call you to do things all we have to do is say yes God I'm going to go yes God I'm going to do what you've asked me to do here's another question I know you will have the right answer for this. Who at NCF knows John S., that's me, the best? Jill. 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 Jill's my wife, if you're not sure. All right. I've got a choice of four people, multiple choice. All right. Jill is one of the answers, but there are three other people as well. Okay. Okay, who at NCF knows John S. the best? John R., I think we know each other well, and I'd like to spend time with him because we've got the same name. <laughs> and also, I like being with John. I can imagine going down the allotment with, with him and doing things. It'd be great. I'd really enjoy that. That'd be lovely. 
Also, I can imagine going down to the pub or something or going around Alan S's house and just talking about technology or our family. We've got things in common. It's great. I can imagine with Sujin one evening, sort of, sometime, playing music together, a bit of bark or something like that. Oh, I'd really enjoy that. That'd be lots of fun. So all these people, I can imagine, and the trouble is, I didn't have room for all of everybody's name. Otherwise, I could think of why I'd like to be with Kath or with Phyllis and Jerry. I can think of everyone I want to be with because you're all top people, aren't you? Moving on. So, yes, you're all top people, but the thing is, I know, I know Jill the best and she knows me the best. Why? Well, we've got common interests, but so I have with John and Alan and Sujin. Shared purposes, likes, being with, yeah. Here's the thing. I spend the most time with Jill than anyone. And that's why I know her. And that's why she knows me. Because I spend time every day with her. And I work at it, the relationship with Jill. Even though I like being with all of you, I spend time with Jill and want to be with her and spend time with our relationship and work at it because it's really important to me. I want to sort of, I'm happy being with Jill. I have to give a little jump in the air sometimes when I see her in the morning and then I have to calm down after that. <laughs> but you know what it's mean? What you mean? It's like, yeah, I like being with Jill, even though I like being with all of you. As Brucey might say, she's my favourite. And that's great. What's your relationship with God like? What happens when you spend time with God? Is this time regular or occasional? Is this time with God important to you? Does the time spent make any difference in your life? When I'm with Jill... I really enjoy it. I really work at it most of the time. But how's my relationship with God? How's your relationship with God? Are you working at your relationship with God? How do you do it? How much energy do you invest with your time with God? Worshipping him and serving him during the week. Maybe things aren't so good for you at the moment. And it was interesting how Jean, sort of, when she was praying, was talking about Jesus says, come. And Jesus does say, come and uh, I'll give you rest. That's what Jesus was saying, wasn't it? And some of us need rest. We need to come to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 says, and this is from the message, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. We need to come to Jesus, don't we? Every day. We need to come and recharge our spiritual batteries. Even our first song was like, come to the waters, drink, drink, come to Jesus. 
it doesn't matter, there's no queue, you all can be first, there's a, it's, everyone's got the very best spot, we're all there right next to him. And Jesus says to us all today, come. Come. But he also says, go. Jesus doesn't just say come. Jesus says go. At the end of Matthew, he was just about to go into heaven. And he said to his disciples, all the authority of the universe has been given to me. Now go in my authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to faithfully follow all that I have commanded you. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. And that's from the Passion Translation. We're to go. But what are we to go with? I've got a really simple answer. It's to go with a hug. Jesus calls us to go with an embrace, a hug, a divine hug. Because the thing is, just going back to me and Jill again, when you're in a good relationship, either a close friend or married, and you, sort of, you really want to be with that person, but you, you have a hug, you have an embrace with friends or whoever it might be. And God says, you need to take my hugs to other people. You need to, they need to know that they're accepted. They need to know that they're loved. The downtrodden need to know that they can be lifted up, that they can have joy again. We need to show divine love and compassion to the people we meet. God calls us to love our enemies to hug them, metaphorically, not perhaps physically, but to hug them, show them that God loves them and, and you're loving them. We are called to embrace others in bad situations that they find themselves in, as well as the happy situations they find themselves in. I read it out earlier, Isaiah 61, at the beginning of the service, but here it is in the Amplified Bible. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted, to proclaim release from confinement and condemnation to the physical and spiritual captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance and retribution of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them a turban instead of dust on their heads, the sign of mourning, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. So they'll be called the trees of righteousness, strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So that's Isaiah 61 verses 1 to 3. So we're talking about big heroes in the Bible, but God calls all of us to be big heroes. We may not be people that are known in the town very well. Maybe when you go downtown, 
there aren't 50 people saying hello to you like there might be if you're well known like the MP or different councillors or the mayor going through the town or some football star in the town or something. We may be insignificant to what other people think, but in God, as we show love and compassion and mercy to other people, so God says, wow, Jan, you're a big hero. Wow, Margaret, what a hero you are in my eyes. And that's God saying it, because he sees us and sees our hearts. You've probably seen this poster many a time, but slightly different. God's kingdom needed Bezalel. He was the right man several thousand years ago in the desert, and he was used. He was the right man to do God's tasks, but he knew he couldn't do God's tasks alone. He needed divine help, and the same is true today. God's kingdom needs you, in the plural, all of us. But we can't do it without God. God's kingdom needs you, but we need his direction. It's simple, really. If we want to just be mediocre and ticking over and just think about ourselves and just think about the past, we're just going to stagnate as a church and for our own lives as individuals. So if we're just always thinking about the past and just now and again read the Bible, now and again pray if there's something important happening, we're not going to grow individually or as a collection of people, as a fellowship. If we give God everything we have, if we're dedicated to what he calls us to do, if we don't just think about ourselves but we think about the people around us, we will grow spiritually, individually, but we'll grow in depth and maybe numbers as well, collectively. We can choose to experience God's joy and we can choose to ignore the devil's condemnation. We can decide to work together in God's kingdom and we don't have to be, this is what David was saying last week, we don't have to just be on the fringes We don't have to just sort of sit there and just watch other people get involved with what God's saying. We can get a slice of the action, as the saying goes, as well. We can all be involved with what God's saying. Having a gift is brilliant, and it's super to have gifts from God, and we all have them. But we know we've got to work on them. We can't just expect that God calls us for something, and we haven't given it energy and money even, and just worked it at the sort of gifts that God has given us to improve. I mentioned this in the notices earlier about this important question on Thursday, that we have a choice. We can say, yes, as a church, we're going to go for evangelism. Remember, evangelism is from a Greek word, euangelion, meaning good news or the gospel. And so as we do evangelism, we're announcing and proclaiming good news. I wonder, though, if I say the word, and you don't need to answer this, just in your head. If I say the word evangelism, do people groan nowadays and just think, oh, that's a bit hard. That's not easy. 
Just like maybe Bezalel could have said to himself, oh, that's a bit hard, I can't do that. We're meeting together this Thursday, and everyone is welcome to give ideas, and we'll just sift them through and sort of talk about it. But we're all here because God's brought us here today, and many of us come regularly. So come with ideas, think about it, and see how you want to sort of say, yes, let's go for being with God. A few years ago, and succeeding years as well, at Christmas time, there was an advertising slogan that probably a lot of you might remember. Pets are for life and aren't just for Christmas. It got me thinking this week when I was preparing, and I was thinking, Emmanuel is not just for Christmas. Because often, it's Christmas time, people will read Isaiah 7.14, Emmanuel be with us, God with us, you know, the one. But isn't that still true in February? Emmanuel, God is with us. Not will be with us or was with us, although they're important as well. But we can know that God is with us. Emmanuel is not just for Christmas. He's for today. Emmanuel, we can know that God is with us today. What has God called you to do, personally? What are you doing about it? Are you giving time and energy to it? What difference are you making to others? And how much do you encourage others in the work that they feel God is calling them to do? Is your Christian life a bit samey? Are you maybe stuck in a rut, just doing the same, that you've always done, it's comfortable. You know what's happening tomorrow. You know what's happening the next day. That's nice. But maybe God is calling us to get out of the rut and to listen to him as he whispers something exciting or maybe a bit scary to us. You've probably heard of Jabez, 1 Chronicles 4.10. This is the Derby translation. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst richly bless me and enlarge my border, and that thy hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God brought about what he had requested. Perhaps God is saying to us today, don't just be in a rut. Don't just keep on doing in your quiet times what you've been doing or in your life in general what you've been doing for decades or for years or months look at the open pasture look at the open ground that's over there that I'm going to hold you with I'm going to take you by the hand perhaps over the next few years you're going to be looking at me and seeing me grow as sort of a minister in the church And hopefully you'll see me grow as a minister in the church. And it's really encouraging to me when you come along and say, oh, John, that was really good. Thank you very much for doing that. That really encouraged me. And I think, oh, thank you, God. Even if one or two people say it, that's that's really sort of helping me and encouraging. But isn't it even much better for my direction as I grow in God and in this role I'm taking on? Isn't it much better? that you all grow too. That you all grow in your faith, in your obedience to God, in your service to God. 
So it's not just me and a few other people, but all of us coming together, saying, Lord, I'm your disciple. I want to follow you. Lord, I want to know you more. And I like the famous five, and they came up with some great adventures. And living with God is even more adventurous than a famous five adventure. Because God is amazing. God can do all things. Here's a few verses from Exodus 36, just going to back to Bezalel again. I'm going to read Exodus 36, 2 to 7. This is amazing. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every school person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continu- continued to bring farewell, uh, free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they'd been doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough to do the, for doing the work the Lord has commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. How amazing is that? Their offerings were just far and exceeding what was needed to be done. So they had to say, stop it. You don't need to do any more of that. Let's get involved in other ways. Because everyone was involved, even though not everyone was a craftsman, they all got involved in the work of the Lord and got involved that much that they had to be restrained. It's not so clear, but that's a person with fogged up glasses. You must get that sometimes in the winter. You go into a, if you're wearing glasses, you go into a warm place after being in the cold and you get foggy glasses. It's one of the things you have to put up with. Spiritually, have you got fogged up glasses? One of my verses that I've been speaking about recently this year is that Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, that God would open the eyes of our heart, that God would undo the fogginess of our glasses. Bezalel faced a difficult task, making the, uh, the tabernacle and all the things in it and the priest's garments very difficult, but God was with him. Maybe you think we face a difficult task Emmanuel is with us. We are not on our own. We need to be filled with his spirit, but God is with us. We can come on Thursday and talk about it, but of course, we don't just talk, we need action. But God is with us. We're not making or extending the kingdom of God. That's God's business. But God's with us, just as in Exodus. So God was with Bazalel and all his team doing things. They did things that were really tricky, but they were encouraged because they knew God was with them. So we're all called to be big heroes. God is doing something in and through us. I'm going to finish with one quote from Eugene Peterson. And it's not on the screen because I only read it this morning. All the water in the oceans cannot sink a ship unless it gets inside, nor can all the trouble in the world harm us unless it gets within us. We can say to God, Lord, I welcome you. Please be within me, lead me as an individual and collectively as a church so that we can glorify you in our thoughts, words and actions. 
We've got nothing to fear. God is with us. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We know you are with us. And just, Lord, as you were a servant when you were walking on the earth, so, Lord, we know as a big hero that you're calling us to be, we can be servants and live our lives in humility. We can live our lives as a team. And we can live our lives giving the very best that we can. Lord, thank you that you call us to spend time and spend energy with you. Lord, help us to respond to that call. To know that you are with us, you are Emmanuel. And that you love us in the tasks that we face as a church and individually. Thank you for your love for us, Lord. Amen.